Hello, Lash Queens. Welcome to another episode of Lash Queen Radio. If you're a new listener, my name is Cameron Love. I'm a licensed esthetician, salon owner, and lash product supplier located in Greensboro, North Carolina. I love what I do, helping lash artists grow their own successful lash business while also growing my studio has always been my dream. I'm back with another episode of Lash Queen Radio with a guest speaker, Amantha Hood, owner of Lash Lab PDX in Portland. Um, welcome to the podcast, Amantha. Please give us a little introduction about yourself and your lash business. Thank you so much for having me, Cameron. I'm very excited. Hello, everybody. My name is Amantha Hood, and I am from the West Coast, um, Portland, Oregon native. Um, Started my business here, and it has expanded quite a bit since 2019. Um, So a little bit about me. I got into the industry right after college. I earned my bachelor's in marketing and communications from Linfield College, um, the outskirts of Oregon, um, and basically knew I wanted to get into the beauty industry. Um, I had found a passion for lashes, didn't really know how much work it was going to be, but I would sit and watch girls like fanning on Instagram. Um, and that's kind of like, I guess how I got into it. I just thought that it looked really therapeutic. I'm like, this looks really cool. So I was going to school during the day and at nighttime I was doing caregiving. So I was going to school and working full time and I saved up for beauty school. I knew that was my goal. So upon graduating college, I enrolled in beauty school within like, I think maybe a month and dove right into it. After graduating beauty school, I kind of got stagnant. I wasn't ready for that leap of faith into entrepreneurship. I knew that I wanted to pay my bills. Uh, I didn't know if lashing was going to successfully do that. I had that doubt that I see a lot of girls come into this industry with. So I know what it feels like. Um, Little did I know that I could do it. I just needed to find that motivation and that groove. So I took a couple of years where I just kind of lashed friends, wasn't super serious about it. I knew, you know, what my business was kind of kind of be about, but not all the details. And so after I had my daughter in September of 2019, that was my motivation. And I went and trained with one of my favorite lash artists, Rima J Speaks, out in Atlanta, Georgia. And um I saw what she was doing and instantly was just like, wow, boss, like, okay, this is what people are doing out here. Okay. So I took a lot of that knowledge and I came back to Portland and I I just started studying like everything lashes, like the ingredients and the adhesive. Like I just got super excited and passionate about this. It wasn't just the physical service of lashing, but the products as well. I got really intrigued by it i.e. my name, Lash Lab PDX. Like, I like to study this stuff, okay? I'm in the lab all the time. Um, So basically, I got into lashing, and I really got serious, I would say, in 2020. Um, I went from being home-based. I was lashing in my living room, like a lot of you girls do. A lot of, We all start, I mean, not all of us, but most of us start at home mm-hmm. because it's a process, you know? Yeah. And um, so I started from home in my living room. I would take one client a day, y'all. I think actually I started off with my goal was like three clients a week. And then I slowly transitioned to one client a day. I would do it during my daughter's nap time. A lot of my my OG clients remember I would have her in the bassinet while she was sleeping and I would do my filler full set um, and get it done and then be ready to go back to being a full-time mom right after that. Um, 
Sometimes one of my close friends would even hold her while I was lashing because she was so tiny. She was like a month or two old when I was doing that. Um, COVID hit, didn't want to take clients at home because, well, we didn't know what was going on with this virus. We were like, how, you know, we didn't know details. We were just scared. So I was like, well, I know one thing I got to, I got to make this money. The clients are asking for me. I need to make the time and the space to do it. So I rented out this independent studio in Northwest Portland. It's in the Pearl District downtown. And it's very like luxury vibe down there. So I was like, big step. Okay, this is cool. Um, COVID got bad. I don't know if anybody followed what's happening in Portland. Um, we have one of the highest homeless populations, as well as this year, we actually found out that we had the highest overdose rate as well. So we had a lot of homeless people and a lot of people using drugs and that were addicted to things out on the streets. Like I'm talking hundreds, like some places, including where my shop was, there were like 20 tents and needles out, um, people sleeping near your front door when you're trying to open up your shop in the morning. I have a lot of stories, but I had to get out of there. Um, I, I didn't feel safe at nighttime. A lot of incidents were occurring. I had to walk my clients to their car. It was just a lot. So I started the journey of looking for a bigger space. So I went from 150 square feet to 1500 square feet. And that's where I am today. I have a product line. I train. And then I still do lashes. I thought I was going to let go of that, but I'm just not ready yet. That's the process of how Lash Lab has got here. And I'm just so excited to see what happens in the next few years because it's popping. Wow. That was so inspiring. Oh, oh, I love it. Round of applause. That was great. That was great. I absolutely love that. Um, I completely understand you when you say walking across to the car. I've been there, done that. My first shop was on the east side of Greensboro. little wrong. Um, so I definitely know how that is, but I'm so happy to see you elevating and, you know, just growing your business. It's amazing. It's inspiring. It's, it's, it's everything. I love it. Thank you. So, you know, everybody wants to know about becoming a six-figure lash artist. It's the tea. It's the big thing. It's, it's, it's a huge accomplishment in the industry, especially for, you know, independent, small independent lash artists. Um, yes. Can you tell us a little bit about becoming a six-figure lash artist? What steps can you share without oversharing? Because I know, you know, I know you have a, um, a course course with melanated lash queens that is talking about becoming a six-figure lash artist that you guys can definitely go invest into to get the inside details of becoming a six-figure lash artist but you can just give us a brief overview of what steps do you think it takes to get there absolutely um so yeah you can go to businessoflashing.com and get an actual course which cam's in Rima J, who I spoke about, a lot of all you know we have a whole section on legal legality and trademark all that but I think something that we don't touch on a lot is um, self-work as a businesswoman. A lot of us want to jump into creating this business, but we're not even right. We're not even ready for that. So I think the first thing is to actually be pre to prepare yourself and be super intentional about your self-work um, and like really meditate on that, on like what this is going to look like because it's a life change. It's huge. So First of all, I think you need to know that not everyone gets to join you on this journey. And the sooner you can recognize that, um, the sooner your business might find success. The reality is there's a lot more doubters than doers in the world um, and a lot more people who like to talk about their problems and their solutions. And with that being said, there's a lot of people around us who need the safety net of working underneath somebody else. Well, if you're listening to this, you're probably not one of those people. You want to be your own boss. 
So you have to make sure that those people don't get to feed, you know, your energy and your thoughts every day. So it's not to say that they can't be in your life anymore, because a lot of times it, it's it's our parents. It's the people that we love the most that are like, uh, maybe don't invest in that, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's super important to be intentional about finding your tribe. And it might only be one or two people. Um, Cameron's somebody that I look to for a lot of insight in business and stuff. But it's people that are doing things or similar to the things that you want to be doing. And they're doing it successfully every single day. So you need to find that tribe of people and realize that not everybody has entrepreneurship um, mindsets every day. Um, And so those doubters, they can take their doubt and, and project it onto you. And if you allow them to enough, you might start to start talking doubt into yourself. So I think the first step is really to find that tribe of people who can support your dreams and what you want to do. Um, You learn from the people that you surround yourself with. Every time I talk to my friends, because my friends tend to be entrepreneurs, I find resources, outlets, um, you know, things to apply for, things to expand my business. I learn something because I surround myself with people who are educated and resourceful. Um, and I build my tribe based on that. Those are the girls when I have the time to go get coffee and drinks and, and lunch, I'm kicking it with them because I want my business to grow. So that's the first step, finding your tribe. After that, you need to create measurable goals. Um, I like to work with numbers. I think about numbers and that might not be your driving force for success, but I think it is for me. So for example, if you know you want to make $6,000 in a month, you need to break it down into a weekly and daily goal. $6,000 is going to look like $1,500 every week. So that might be $1,500 services. And if you can break that down based on your fill prices, okay, my fills are hundred bucks. I need to do 15 fills to achieve $1,500 a month. If you can start to achieve things on a quantitative level, it's going to be easier for you to measure, okay, I only am getting like 12 clients a week. So maybe I need to adjust my price or maybe I need to focus on getting more girls in and run a promotion, like bring a friend and get, you know, $5 off or something. So you need to start kind of creating those measurable goals so you can create a game plan from there. And then you want to take the time to create that game plan and also document it so that you actually know what's working and what's not. Week one, I ran a promotion and I lost $700. That promotion didn't work, sis. Document it so you know. Okay, week two, I got that $700 back. Um, I made $1,500 plus an extra $700. What did I do different that week that got those girls in the door? Or what did I do the week prior to market to get those girls booked? When you write down your goals, you start to see what your flaws are and what your success rates are. And then you can move with that. Okay, obviously, I'm going to start continuing to do the things that are making my brand successful and eliminate those things that were making me fail, right? Right. You can only do that if you start to document and and record what you're doing. Um, Lastly, when it comes to a successful business in the lash industry, I would say, Remember that fills pay the bills. So whatever you have to do to get girls in your door consistently, I would rather have girls who are getting bi-weekly fills throughout the year. So I'm seeing them almost twice a week. I mean, twice a month, excuse me. I would rather have that client than the girl who comes in once a month and travels to every lash tech in the city looking for the promotions. Does that make sense? Right. I would rather have that girl as my client who is consistent and bi-weekly than the person who's random and sporadic. So I think that it's super important to remember whatever I have to do to get girls in here to, to get fills, that's going to be good retention. 
a good drama-free workspace, um, relaxing, um, really good products, um, really easy to, you know, I, I, I know when I, I, I focus on my client every time I make sure that they're happy when they look in the mirror, I ask every time still to this day, I don't care if I've seen them for three years. How do you feel about your set? Is there anything you'd want me to change? How do you feel about the curl? You know, I'm always asking that. Okay. Before they leave every time, how are you doing your lash cleanser? Do you need more wands? I'm catering to my client and reminding them that this is their happy space and I will see you in two weeks. Yeah. So Whatever you have to do to make sure that those fills are um, the basis of what you're booking, that's going to help you be successful. And then when you do, when, you know, a couple of those appointments actually turn into full sets, you're making more than your, your measurable goal. So I would say identify your tribe and create measurable goals. And then just remember fills, pay the bills and do whatever it takes to get those girls back in the door. Those are some really amazing tips. You guys, if you have not heard those, you need to write those down. Um, those were honestly the best tips that I've heard as far as just building a six-figure lash business and, you know, staying organized and also being realistic about your goals. Um, I think that was a really, really good point that you touched on and, and writing it down because when you write things down, it's almost like you're, you're speaking it into existence. Um, not only are you like saying it, but it's written like this. This is something that I will accomplish. Um, so that's really, really awesome. What aspects of your lash business do you think need the most attention? Who? Well, I would say I need another me. So I'm just like waiting for my daughter to turn 10. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, I think the hardest thing for small business owners who have expanded from the bottom up um, is trusting others to actually help them. Um, It's really hard to hire on. And I found an amazing assistant who actually I've known since she was like very young Um, so I've been lucky enough to have that, but, you know, I have her focus on my products for me so that I can focus on my clients and my trainings. So I guess, um, allowing other people to join your team, not just your tribe, but your actual team, even if that means you're cutting some of your income to pay them because, you know, your headspace is so much more important than being overworked. Right. 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 That's, that's a good point as well. Um, Having a team is always better than just, you know, oh, it's me behind the business, me by myself, it's me, me, me. It's, it's better to have a team um, and they can kind of delegate the tasks that you can't handle at the moment or, you know, that you don't yeah. want to focus on. Um, so that's really amazing, too. I have, you know, I would say, too, is like my boyfriend does a lot of the handiwork for me, um, like physical stuff. And same yeah. with my dad. They come in and they do like a lot of the physical stuff. I create the vision and the game plan and communicate it. And my mom calls me the professional micromanager <laughs> because I do really good at like telling people like, okay, this is for you. This is your job. This is your job. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of comes together. So yeah, I'm the professional micromanaging princess. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. That's so funny. Okay. Um, so can you define the importance of marketing as a lash business owner, especially for my beginner lash artists, um, Mm. for them as well? I think it's super important. I mean, it's the only way to get clients. I think recognizing that we've talked about this a lot. Marketing doesn't just have marketing. A marketing plan is not just Instagram. It's, um, you know, looking at other outlets, Google my business, um, business cards, walking around and physically handing them out to girls, 
networking with people, showing up to local pop-up events and just communicating with girls. It could literally be going to the club, (laughs) whatever you want to do, you know, you can make it fun. It doesn't have to be this like big, crazy thing. And then we'll say being consistent on social media is important. You don't have to post every day. I don't think, um, I think it's important if you can post on your story every day and that can be more repetitive, but, um, just making sure everything is accessible, like whatever questions that your clients, potential clients might have is accessible on your Instagram and just, um, your Facebook as well. I think that the biggest thing I see girls do is focus on Instagram and not get things like business cards and network with people in person because what better way to build the perfect clientele? It's like, wow, I had a really good, um, you know, first impression of this person that I just met at this, you know, this, um, networking event. I thought they were really cool. Well, why would you just, why would you leave them without giving them a business card and potentially, you know, networking with them or their friends to come in and be your, your perfect client. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people are letting money go when they don't have business cards. So I think that's a really big one right now. QR codes are huge mm-hmm. um, and you can literally get them for free online. So getting those put on stickers and putting them around your town, people love QR codes. I think it's really cool, especially if there's a pink one, it's like, Ooh, what's right, that? Right, right, really right, business? Huh? Like, right, how can I attract? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, the business cards, I think people think that it's outdated um, because they're so caught up in social media, but little do they know it's these little things like your business cards, having an email list, um, and just the other aspects of marketing that's outside of social media that also needs attention. Um, right. So, you know, those are some really good points. And also networking with other beauty professionals. I think mm-hmm. that's also a big one. Um, that was the whole reasoning behind me doing the last false link up actually networking with other lash artists around you we don't bite <laughs> it's okay to go out for drinks with another lash artist near you there's enough right. um clients there's enough people out here that want eyelash extensions to the point where you don't have to see everybody in your city as a competition you really right. don't um so not only marketing to clients and networking with them but also networking with other beauty professionals that that's yeah. also a way to you know get your business out there and really you know become the face of your business because that's what you want to do. You want to become the face of your business in your area. So what better way to do that than talk to other beauty professionals? Cross promotions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think I saw not too long ago, you did one with someone in your city who made soap or something like that or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. Networking and, you know, collabing with another business, another small business um, in the area. I really, really like that. Yeah. I mean, you think about it too. It's like they repost you and now all of their followers who are already interested in something in the beauty industry are like, Ooh, lashes. Like, right. Right. And connected with somebody that I'm following and already intrigued by, why wouldn't I go follow them? Right. Exactly. Okay. So my last thing that I want to know and pick your brain about, can you tell us a little bit about how social media has impacted the way that people view the lash industry? Well, In general, I think that people forget that social media um, is really kind of a controlled output of what people want to put out into the world. So you only see what they post. You know, we we tend to only post the positive things in our life. Um, And I think that's the same thing with businesses. Like people kind of just jump onto bandwagons of like what they familiarize with. 
And I think it kind of kind of allows businesses to get monopolized um, where we only focus on these bigger brands because they have more access to advertisements. They have more access to getting in front of your eyes. They have the money um, and equipment to do that at a higher level than some of us small businesses who have to, you know, invest in one thing at a time. And just kind of realizing um, that everywhere, I mean, it's not just the lash industry, everything is being like monopolized. Like Peloton is about to get bought out by an even, even bigger brand. Like right now, what they narrow it down to Nike, Adidas, or no, sorry, Nike, Amazon, or Facebook, I think. One of those three are about to buy Peloton and Peloton just blew up, especially during right, COVID, yeah. right? So it's just like this idea that everything is getting bought out by something bigger. And there aren't very many people that know about these smaller brands, you know, um, who need a chance to win too. So I think that social media can really kind of, I guess, just like create this, like, this is the only brand in the industry, or, you know, these are the top three brands that you have to buy. And these are the best quality products. When in reality, if you try more products, whether they're small or big, you might find that something's actually more fitting for your technique or your process. And a lot of times I just think that these smaller brands get overlooked because of social media. Um, and at the same time, social media can also be an opportunity for some of these small brands to just blow up. We've seen it with TikTok and it's really cool. I mean, you are an example. You blew up during COVID on social media and it's really cool. So it can go both ways where it's like, it can really hide some of these brands that need to be elevated. Um, and I think it kind of reflects back to society too. Like we see the same thing happen in, in around us in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like we see like the... For example, like Victoria's Secret, that was the known brand for lingerie. Now you telling me that Victoria's Secret is the best brand out there for lingerie? No. I mean, when it comes to actually working for a diverse group of women in different sizes and all that, it's not. That's the reality of it. But we've been taught to think that Victoria's Secret is the it brand to go get this. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, it, it's a reflection of society and opportunities, in my opinion. Um yeah. You know, there's there are certain demographics that are able to win at an easier and at an easier, you know, pace. Like they just kind of have things a lot easier than other people. So, I mean, I think there's a direct reflection of kind of what what society norms are with the um, businesses that are on social media. I mean, we saw it with Black TikTok. I mean, Black TikTok, everything, you know, in our culture trends from Black TikTok. Right. And those were found to be the least paid people when it came to, you know, TikTok influencers. Yeah. So then we had, you know, the blackout and all that. It, it's a thing. So just realizing that social media um, is only as important as we make it. Mm-hmm. And it's important to still do your research. Don't just trust things just because you see them online. Right. Um, I think that that's the biggest thing. Uh, you know, if we see thousands of sponsored ads from one company, it, it's not necessarily because they're the best company. It's because they can pay for that marketing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, I think the biggest thing I would say about social media is it, it can definitely create uh, it's, it, it's an agenda setting. It's a method of agenda setting. Um, so if you're not a part of that agenda who benefits from that, we got to work 10 times harder. And that's mm-hmm. just, <laughs> that's what it is. And that's, that's life. I mean, I've been raised on that thought too. So Yeah. That's the biggest thing I would say about social media and people just like a hype and 
it works sometimes, sometimes it doesn't, but right. you live your life and you just stay focused on what you, what you got to focus on in your vision and you'll be cool. Yeah. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. You were freaking amazing. Like every question I just, wow. I was just blown away by your answers and just how well-spoken you are about the industry and how passionate you are and just everything you do. I think I can tell. I'm so glad I associate myself with you. I'm so glad my business associates myself with you. And I'm so glad I met you. Um, I, I think you are one of the best examples of just the importance of networking with other beauty professionals and meeting people because everybody's just not out to get you. Everybody's not out to be your competition. And I have really found that friendship with you. So I thank you so much, especially for coming to speak on this. So thank you. Um, do you have, yeah, yeah. Do you have any last things you want to leave um, or say to the last artists that are listening? Don't be scared to invest in yourself. Um, quick little snippet. I was in the sauna the other day. And I heard this guy complaining because he spent $280 on a 10-minute plumbing service. And he was complaining about it, complaining. And I'm like, but you paid for their knowledge. I didn't say this, but you paid for their knowledge. You didn't just pay for the fact that they got it done in 10 minutes. But this is a scope of a project that could have taken you days and hours. And you could have created more damage than benefits. So that's why you hired that man to get that done in 10 minutes. Right. Same thing with this industry. People pay for what you know in here. It's not just what you do to apply the lashes. They're paying for the fact that you have all this knowledge. So don't be scared to invest in yourself because that's where the money is. It's in the stuff that we can't necessarily sell on the internet and in a service. It's all in here. I love it. That, that was amazing. <laughs> I'm telling you, you blow me away every time. Well, you heard here first, guys. Um, Amanda, you're amazing. Again, thank you for ha- coming. Just thank you for speaking and just, just sharing your knowledge. Um, if you haven't already, be sure to check Amanda out. Um, her, I'm going to go ahead and let her tell you her um, contact information and how you can find her on social media. Also, be sure to join her group, Melanated Lash Queens, if you haven't already. That group is amazing. I'm a member. You should be a member. Definitely go join that. Um, but Amanda, Go ahead and give them some um, your contact information, how they can, you know, follow your brand. Absolutely. So, of course, you can follow me um, on Instagram, Lash Lab PDX um, or Lash Lab PDX Supplies. Um, my website is www.lashlabpdx.com. And on, yeah, that's that and Facebook group, Melanated Lash Queens, are probably the best places to reach me. You can DM me. I'm open for whatever. So, absolutely. Thank you again, Amanda, for having you. It was amazing. And that's a wrap. We'll see you guys next week on Lash Queen Radio. Bye, Amanda. See ya.